moments. Mark for just a few moments, and chapter number 5 will be in Mark chapter number 5, and also in Matthew chapter number 11 here in just a little while. And this morning we, we realize something, every single one of us, if you haven't realized it, I pray that you will, that every single one of us, we have already moved from what we were to what we are today. And who you are today will soon be moving towards who you shall be tomorrow. And that's going to be an everlasting truth all the days of our lives. And so you have to ask yourself the question right this very moment. Oh, you're not who you once were. Praise God for it. And who are you today? But who will you soon be? You see, we're always moving. And it depends on which direction we're moving towards. Last week, we... I looked at two gentlemen. One was facing the crowd. One was facing here. They were in the same place. They were in the right place. They were in a good place. One was looking this direction. Another was looking that direction. And that is the truth that we come to realize this morning within every single one of our lives. We're not who we once were and praise God for. We are who we are today and then we will soon become what we will be tomorrow. As you come to Mark chapter number 5 this morning, I want to draw your attention to verse number 25 for just a few moments. And then we'll go over to Matthew chapter 11 here in a, a minute. And I want to, to bring to your attention a couple of pastor scriptures that I pray will be a help to every single one of us this morning. And when it comes to the Christian life, when it comes to the Christian life and the life that we're living and the life the Lord would have for us to live today and tomorrow and the rest of the days of our lives. In Mark chapter number 5, verse number 25, the Bible says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and suffered many things of many physicians, and spent all that she had and was nothing bettered. Rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him. About in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made, been made whole of thee made thee whole, go in peace, and be whole of thy plague. While yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead, why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. He come into the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and seeth tumult, and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he saith unto them, Why make ye this Edo, and weep? Damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn, but when he had put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and, and them that were with him, and entereth in where the damsel was lying. He took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha, Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of age of twelve years, and they were astonished with great astonishment. 
He charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Well, if you would, to Matthew chapter 11 for just a moment, I want to draw your attention to these verses before we get into everything this morning so I can help you to understand exactly what is taking place, background, and moving forward. Matthew chapter number 11, the Bible says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples. He departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind. But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's house. What went ye out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Lord, we do come to you this morning. Lord, I need you this morning. Lord, this is a message, Lord, you've been working in my heart for quite some time. And Lord, I pray right this very moment, Lord, that you would forgive me of any sin. Lord, help me to be yielded to you. Lord, help me to be empty of self and full of the Spirit. And Lord, only preach what you would have for me to preach. Lord, I pray that you would be with every single one of us this morning, that, Lord, we would understand this truth, and, Lord, we'd catch this truth, and, Lord, that it would not only convict us, but it would change us, and it would motivate us to action, Lord, that we'd move forward. Lord, I pray that you would be with everything that goes on, Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified in it. Lord, once again, I'm praying that, Lord, you would take this time that we have together, Lord, you'd receive all honor, all glory, and have preeminence, and we'll thank you for it. Guide us now, for it's in Jesus' name we do pray, amen. Amen. I want to draw your attention one more time to verse number 12, and we will circle back to this here in just a few moments. The Bible says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. You see, this morning, every single one of us have already moved from what we once were, and we praise God for it, and we are who we are now, and there will come a day when we're reflecting, and we're looking towards who we will soon be. And I ask you this question this morning, who are you right this very moment? Who are you right now? You gloat and you, you, you take much pride in the fact that you're not who you once were. But who are you today? You see, in the Christian life, the Lord desires to continuously grow us and to mold us and to shape us. And far too often in the Christian life, we will fall into the trap of believing that we can just make a cliche statement and say things like, well, I'm not who I once was, so praise God for that. But how are you who you're, you're supposed to be right this very moment? Have you lost ground? Have you missed opportunities? Have you gotten to the place where you're complacent? Have you gotten to the place where you're just casual? Have you gotten to the place where you say, Lord, I've done enough and so I'll just park? Or are you who you are and who will you soon be? 
It's a question every single one of us has to ask. If you come to the Word of God, you ask the question, have you taken time to listen to the Lord? Have you taken time to meet with God? Have you taken time to ask God, Lord, what is your will for my life? You see, because back there you realized that it was will of God for you to be saved. But after salvation, it was the will of God for you to continue to grow, to move forward, to advance, to be sanctified, set apart, meet for the master's use. And as you think about who you are right this very moment and who you will soon be, it's been said who you are right now is a picture of what you love and who you love. We have to ask ourselves that question. What you are and who you are right this very moment is a picture of who you love and what you love. And far too often in the Christian life, we fall in love with the things of this world and we get bored of the things of God. And as you open the Word of God, you realize that those individuals that we admire so greatly, those individuals that we long to live after and and again implement things in our lives that they lived out in their lives, we look and we see that they understood some things about the Lord. They understood the importance of being yielded to the Lord. It was Moses who was a trembling man that God spoke to on the mount. That same man, Moses, would later go on and offer his life for the sake of having his name blotted out of God's book for Israel's sake. Why? Because God had gotten a hold of his life. It was the psalmist who would often write in tears seeking after God and for the Lord to hear them. It was the prophets who could hardly handle their heavy hearts and sought to hear from God. It was Paul who said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Understanding that, hey, if the Lord takes me, then better for it. If, if the Lord leaves me, then I'm going to live my life, all the days of my life, not just part of my life, not just some of my life, not just occasionally, but I'll live all the days of my life for Him. He understood it. He understood that He wasn't who He once was, but God was wanting to take Him who He could be. And so right that day, He said, if I die, then I'm better for it. But if I live, then I'm going to live for Christ. You understood some things about this. You see, every single one of us this morning, all of us, the Lord desires not just for us to experience the better things, but the best things. And we get so satisfied with the good things and the better things, and we say, well, I'm satisfied with this. But God says, no, I have the best things for you. You see, as you come to this passage of Scripture, all throughout the Word of God, one of the, the dangers in the Christian life is that for many Christians, we get settled and, and we get satisfied with the superficial Christianity. So what do you mean? We know the lingo. We know what to say and how to say it. We know how to just get by. We can show up in the house of God and we can act a certain way. We can talk a certain way. We can conduct ourselves a certain way. And we, we've got it all figured out. But you see, in the Christian life, it's the hard things that really and truly produce the most fruit in our lives. It's the hard things in life that always bring more value to the life. And as you think about the Christian life, what are some of those hard things? Prayer is a hard thing and it takes work. Why do you think so many of us don't give ourselves a prayer? You see, learning the Christian lingo is the easy part. But getting into the presence of God and getting on our knees and pleading and begging with God, not just for one minute, not just for 30 seconds, not just to check it off, but really getting into the presence of God and say, Lord, I need you. That's the hard work. It's a hard work. And so oftentimes we say, well, it's a work some others can do. But praise God, I'm not who I once was. You see, prayer is a hard work. Waiting and listening to God is a hard work. Doing is the easy thing, as hard as it is. Waiting for God and listening to the Lord takes work. Serving the Lord to be unseen is a hard work. You see, serving for the praise of man, that's the easy work. You see, in the Christian life, we have figured all of these many things out. 
We stand in awe of the likes of Moses and Joshua and Daniel and Nehemiah and Joseph and all of those many individuals and Peter and Paul. And we go on and we look at their lives and we understand that they got something that sometimes we just aren't willing to get. They got a hold of God. But as you come to Matthew chapter number 11 and you come to Mark chapter number 5, we see something. We see something that is pictured here that is also pictured in the life of Moses, that's also pictured in the life of Joshua, that's also pictured in the life of Peter and Paul and Joshua and Nehemiah and all of these many individuals that we love to study in the life of Daniel. We could go on and on. There is something that we're going to see here that those individuals also got that many Christians today are missing within the Christian life. All throughout Scripture, you see individuals who are seeking after the Lord. They understood that His Word was not a nuisance, but is a necessity. His, His will was something that they desired. It wasn't something that they felt that they had to do. All throughout Scripture, you come to realize within the lives of these individuals that we admire so greatly and that we love that they followed after Jesus, we say, what was something that stood out? What was the difference maker? I want to draw your attention to this verse one more time in verse number 12 and then later on in Mark chapter number 5 the Bible says in Matthew eleven twelve, and from the days of John the Baptist until now the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. This past week we had an opportunity to go and as I was sitting there on the trip back, we were all fellowshipping for just a few moments and then I began to talk and me and Jared were talking in the front seat and I was talking to him about preachers that have always influenced me, and he was talking about preachers that have influenced him, and the boys were all sharing certain preachers that have influenced them, and we were talking about that. And I began to share some of the preachers along the way that have influenced me. I pulled up a, a clip of one of those preachers that had influenced me, and I had never heard the message that he was preaching or anything that he was preaching on, but I've been studying this passage and studying Mark, and he began to just go to that passage, and he wasn't preaching on that message, but he was just offering a little insight, and I told Jared, where's Jared at? Oh, he's serving. Praise the Lord. About time he does something. I told Jared, I said, I, I didn't. I needed to hear that. I've been, I've been studying this. This little, little nugget that he, the preacher offered. Just a little nugget concerning this one passage of Scripture. And I began to, to ask and plead with the Lord because I've been dealing with this and studying these passages of Scripture out and I've been struggling myself. In the sense of asking the question, what is it all about? Why are we doing all of these things? Why are we flooding our summers with activity after activity after activity? Why are we having revival meetings? Why are we having missions conferences? Why are we having stewardship meetings? Why are we having leadership meetings? Why are we having soul winning and visitation? Why are we having a, a recovery program? Why do we have youth group? Why do we have children's meetings? Why do we have all these things? It's not so we can have a website that says, hey, our church offers all these things. That's not what it's about. What is the real meaning? What is the purpose behind it? Does it just offer just that, just a time slot for families to come to? Or is it offering something of value? I've been struggling with trying to understand exactly what are we doing and why are we doing these things? Do we need to keep doing these things? What are we doing of eternal value? And I began to study God's Word and asking the Lord just to reveal all of this to me. And the Bible says in verse number 12 at the very end, Now the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. And I didn't really understand all that. I'll be honest with you. I was reading it a little bit and went back and was reading and reading some other uh, passages and trying to wrap my mind around all of what was taking place. 
And then I began to, for just a moment, listen to that little clip of that preacher as he was saying that. I said, oh, makes sense. I went back and opened the Word of God and began to read a little more and then went over to a couple of other passages of Scripture and read a little more and then went back to the Old Testament and read a little more and I began to connect all the dots and said, huh, makes sense. You see, the Bible tells us in John four thirty four, Say not ye, there are, not, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And we often ask the question, our world is in a, a place of, uh, of turmoil. Our world is hurting. There are people that we are coming in contact daily that are struggling. There are people that are, are going through this and people that are going through that. And we, we begin to ask the question, what is going to be the change? When is it all going to make sense that we have an opportunity to make a difference? And as I came to this verse one more time at the very end, it says, and the violent take it by force. That word violent, if you go and you really dig a little bit deeper and understand what it's dealing with, it speaks of being desperate, if you would. Of being desperate. And he goes on and he says these words, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the desperate take it by force. And as I began to read, I went over to Mark chapter number 5 and I studied a little bit more and then I went into the Old Testament and studied a little bit more and I began to realize that all of these individuals that we study. It was Nehemiah as he got the word that the walls had burned down and he began to weep and he began to mourn certain days that he was desperate for God to do something. It was Joshua as he stood before the people and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He was desperate for God to do something. It was Paul as he went to the church of Philippi and it was Paul as he went into the the book of Acts and you read time after time that he's trying to reach people that he was desperate for God to do something. And you, you say, well, what are you trying to get? I'm saying this morning that far too many Christians have gotten so comfortable saying, I praise God that I'm not who I once was. But back there, you were desperate. And now we've come this far and we say, ah, oh, well, praise God, I'm not who I once was. We're not desperate anymore. We're not begging and pleading and asking God to do a great work. We're not seeking after him. I began to ask that question, is all this worth it? What is the reason behind it all? The Lord began to convict me because I too have been guilty of saying, well, praise God, I'm not who I once was. He said, yeah, but who are you now and who will you soon be? Because the things that you love, the people that you love, the places that you go, the things that you do, that is truly who you are now. See, back there, July 15th, 2009, at an old camp, you were desperate. You couldn't wait to get to me. January of 20, uh, of 2010, you were desperate to surrender your life to the Lord and, and do, do a work for the Lord and say, Lord, I'm yours. As you went to Bible college, there are many occasions where you're desperate. As you started pastoring, there were times that you were desperate. And then there comes those times in our lives where we're no longer desperate anymore. You see, in chapter number 11, to lay a little foundation for you for just a moment, John the Baptist is being dealt with here. John the Baptist is one that we admire for his stand. His stand would cost him his life as he was preaching the gospel. His head would be taken and severed from his body, but he was willing to preach. Why? Because he was desperate. And as you come to chapter number 11, you begin to understand that the multitudes are flocking to Jesus during this time. As you go to Mark chapter 5, you see multitudes flocking. They had heard about the healings. They had heard about his dealings. They just wanted to see him. 
And then Jesus goes on and he says in verse number 5 of Matthew 11, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk and the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. He's explaining the crowd. He's explaining the things that have gone on. But on the other side of the crowd wasn't those who were excited to see God's working. Those who weren't pleased with Jesus' dealings. As a matter of fact, it was the rulers and the Pharisees. It was the scribes and the scholars who would stand there and they would look proud. They would look at these people and they would ridicule them. They would mock them. They would say things about them. They would scowl at them. But these others were the common people. They were the publicans. They were the harlots. They were the fishermen. They were the beggars. They were the thieves. They were the lame. They were the blind. They were the dumb. All of them are flocking to get to Jesus. Why? Because they're desperate. They're desperate. You begin to think about our day and age in which we're living in right this very moment. You say, well, what do you mean? I'm saying that there are some addicts that are desperate right now. There are some that have been diagnosed with cancer that are desperate right now. There are some that are lying on their deathbed that are desperate right now. There are some bus kids waiting to be picked up that are desperate right now. There are some homes that are waiting for God to do a work that are desperate right now. There are many individuals that are desperate right now, but we're unwilling because, praise God, I'm not who I once was. Hey, I know exactly where they were. I was there. Why aren't you going to them? Why aren't you reaching? You say, ah, well, um, praise the Lord, I'm not who I once was. You see, it was J. Frank Norris, if you were to ever go to Texas and go look at his tombstone, said these words, I will do anything to keep a man out of hell. J. Frank Norris was a soul winner. J. Frank Norris was an individual that was willing to do a work for God, even if it meant it was a hard thing. He, He would get on his knees and he would pray. He would go out and he would reach people. He would go out and he would tell people about Jesus. He was willing because he was desperate and understood what it meant. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? Right this very moment, I'm saying that this past week was a week where I realized that I needed to take these young boys because I was desperate for God to do something in their lives. Yesterday, as I went and I sat with a, uh, an older gentleman in our church and his wife who is battling cancer, I was desperate for God to do something in their lives. As I go and I look out at our city and I drive down the neighborhoods and I drive down the streets, I'm desperate for God to use Gateway Baptist Church to do something with us. We've gone past being so desperate because, praise God, I'm not who I once was. And that's just the problem. You see, right after you got saved, all you wanted to do was tell someone about Jesus. Now you think it's an inconvenience to talk about Jesus. You see, when you had once gotten saved and you go back to that day when you called on the name of the Lord, you were desperate and you wanted God to do everything He could with your life. And you were sold out and you were on fire. But now you've gotten so far away that you say, I praise God I'm not who I once was, but who you are today is someone that's not doing anything. And who you will soon be is someone that is looking back saying, I wish I would have given my all to Christ. You see, as I stood there on a Thursday morning and was preaching talking to young people and preaching on getting victory and winning and winning this battle and how do you overcome discouragement after victory and at the invitation 75 teenagers or so were at this camp and over half of them raised their hand that they're struggling with depression and they're discouraged and they're battling and they're losing the battle right this very moment And as I'm standing there preaching in the back left corner, I see a young man who is as glued to the message as he could have ever been. And with tears in his eyes, I later would find out that that young man was a young man that was adopted at an early age. And now he's in a boy's home and he just feels as though he's being passed around. 
Young people begging and pleading with God to do something and tears at an altar because those broken young people are asking God, why? I'm desperate for them. I'm desperate to see God do something and I've asked the Lord to bring tears back to my own eyes. We ask the question, why aren't our churches growing? Because we're not desperate anymore. Why aren't our Sunday schools growing? Because we're not desperate to reach those souls anymore. Why aren't our, our, our Wednesday night programs growing? Because we're not desperate. Why aren't we reaching homes? Because we're not desperate. Why aren't we seeing souls saved? Because we're not desperate. And he says right here in verse number 12, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. He said, what does looking desperate look like? I'm glad you asked. Go to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5, the Bible says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her had done none, done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Verse number 28 reveals how desperate she was. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. As you go to Acts chapter number 4, you are introduced and you see a passage of Scripture unfolding. And the Bible says in verse number 13 of Acts 4, Now when they saw the boldness, we've been here many, many times. And the Bible tells us later on that they're confronted about this. And the Bible says, let us straightly threaten them. And they go on. And then it's there in verse number 20 when Peter and John are standing there. But For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Why were they able to say that? Because they were desperate for God to continue working. It was in 1 Kings chapter number 18, verse number 21. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long hold ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Desperate to see God work. In Joshua chapter number 24, as you go and you begin to realize that within the text of these verses right here, Joshua is trying to get the people's attention. In verse number 15, he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. Why? Because he was desperate. You see, as you study Scripture, you'll find that these desperate people were three things. Within the text of Scripture, you'll find that each of these individuals were an obedient people. Why are we desperate any longer? Because we're disobedient people. The Bible tells us, and it's very clear in Matthew chapter number 28, verse number 19 and 20, Go ye therefore. That's not a suggestion, that's a command. 
And teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You say, well, you walk out into the community, when you go to the gas station, when you're sitting at the, the restaurant, when you're in the grocery store, when you're getting your tires changed, when you're getting your oil changed, when you're just talking to people in your neighborhood, are you desperate for them? As I was sitting there at a, at a camp all week and just looking at the young people and watching even the camp staff and looking at the preacher, I was desperate right that moment for God to do something. As we were driving home, the Lord just intensified that burden on my heart. That Lord, I must do more. I want to be an obedient individual. Not only where we need to be an obedient, but the desperate people are a humble people. Notice these individuals, they were nothing and they knew they were nothing, but Jesus was everything. She says, if I could just touch his garment. Desperate. Number three, we see that they were a praying people. Leonard Ravenhill was so encouraged one time by A.W. Tozier about a quote that he had made that he began to develop a statement upon that quote. The quote is very, very powerful. He said, the old self and the new. You see, the old self boasted of how much money it squandered. How much liquor it could hold and still drive home. It told of its ability to cheat, its skill and evil, its cunning and gambling, its brazen toiling and purity. But the new self, the new self talks of how far I've traveled, how many souls I've won, and how many people are always wanting me to preach. The new self talks humility, but on the other side groans that it was overlooked. The new self speaks of the cross, but knows nothing of fasting. It knows nothing of writing. It knows nothing of preaching about prayer, but does as little of it as it can. Whom are we fooling? Certainly not God, for though we have sung many times, there shall be showers of blessings. The heavens do not yield us rain. You see, the new self sings, make me little and known, and loved and prized by thee alone. But on the other side, loves to be praised and keeps all the newspaper clippings about itself. Oh, flesh, Flesh, flesh. Oh, self, save self, sanctified self. Get out of God's way. Get on your knees and pray. Beg, plead, but please get out of God's way. You see, far too often in our own lives, we live in such a way where we're living to please ourselves and living to be acknowledged and living and we're saying, oh, I'm not who I once was, but who are you today? Do you have a burden any longer? Are you desperate anymore? You look back at that day when you got saved, you say, oh, I had to get to Jesus. But now we say, I'll get to Him when I can. What a sad reality it is. Truth is, I believe every single one of us would acknowledge that we're not desperate to see God truly do a move. Because if we were, we would be willing to do the hard things. We'd be willing to get on our knees. We'd be willing to be obedient. We'd be willing to go and to tell people about Jesus Christ. So here's my question to you this morning. Are you desperate? Have you lost your love for the Lord and all that he has for you? Are you desperate to see lives changed? Are you desperate to be seeing souls saved? Are you desperate to see God do a work in your own life? Because if you're not, Matthew chapter number 11 deals with it. And the violent take the kingdom of heaven by force. Why? Because they were desperate. I remember that day when I got saved and I was sitting on the front row, the second row, one of these rows right here on the left side. And I couldn't wait to get there. I've got to get the child, sir. 
Got to cry out to the Lord. I got to get saved. And oftentimes, the only time when we come to the Lord in a desperate manner is when we need God to do something for us. But here's what my prayer is. That I'd be so desperate for God to do something for them. For God to do something for you. For God to do something for the four walls of this church. This city. This state. This nation. But we've got to get desperate again. Lord, we do come to you this morning. Lord, we're asking, Lord, that you'd burden us. Oh, Lord, bring tears back to our eyes. Lord, put a burden so heavy that, Lord, we're desperate to reach people. Lord, I pray that we would find ourselves at the altar saying, I yield myself. Lord, I die to self. I surrender. I crucify myself. Lord, I am truly yours, all yours. Take my life and use it. I pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, that we would be a desperate people. Far too often, Lord, we've allowed ourselves to get to a place where we're take it or leave it. Casual, content. All the while, we're passing souls that are desperate for hope, desperate for help. Lord, we're not willing. I pray that you draw us to this altar, that we'd surrender our all, help us to be a desperate people. Lord, it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Would you stand with me, heads bowed, eyes closed? Can I encourage you? Maybe the Lord's in with you. Maybe you aren't as desperate anymore. You say, I'll, I'll meet with the Lord when I can. Ah, uh, you know, if God's going to do something, we'll, we'll just see, you know, we'll be a part of it. No, are you desperate? Are you desperate? Why was Nehemiah used? He was desperate. Why was Joshua used? He was desperate. Why was Peter used? He was desperate. I wonder tonight, this morning, would you commit to the Lord? Lord, I give my life to you. Help me to be desperate. There's some at the altar praying. If the Lord's dealing with you, I want to encourage you. Find yourself at the altar. Get desperate. Ask God to do something only He can do. Not because you're anything, but because He's everything. He's capable of all things. The piano's playing. The Lord's dealing with you. I encourage you. Find yourself at the altar. Spend some time in prayer.